Hello and welcome back to the other 99% podcast where we take a step back from the 1% games that society has become obsessed with and instead talk about the other 99%. Throughout this series we will discuss everything from nutrition to sleep, training methods, work-life balance, leadership and mental health. You got it right. Yeah, got it right. Obviously I was reading it so I couldn't really mess it up, could I? I should have um, put like a, a sneak word in there like they do on Anchorman just to see if you would... <laughs> Read whatever's on the prompter. <laughs> yeah, we'll do, we'll do that next time. So how, how's your week been? Uh, it's been a bit of a strange one, actually. Um, it's been first full week in the new job. Um, obviously, the Queen the queen died, which yeah. is like globally massive news. I didn't... Like, if you'd asked me a week ago, would you be sad? I think I would have said yes, but I don't think I'd have realised how sad I was going to be. Um, it was quite upsetting. Obviously, she's been a, a staple part of, well, everything, basically, like, since 40-odd years before we were even born. So, um, yeah, like, that's it's been a really strange week, like, atmosphere-wise, I think. Yeah, it was literally all over the news, wasn't it? It was everywhere. Yeah, and still going as well. I think it'll be the main story for, well, for ages. Yeah, and then, well, we're into the 10 days of mourning, aren't we? And then... Yeah, um, but other than I liked, that, I liked um, Boris Johnson's statement. Did you read that? Yes, the one that Jeremy Clarkson mm. tweeted. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought that. Was yeah, he's he's not bad at the old writing, as Boris is he? Um, <laughs> I think it would have to be pretty darn good for Jeremy Clarkson to say that he'd done something well as well. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is a fair point. It's not the most um, complimentary Twitter account. <laughs> So, new, new job, Queen died. What else have been going on? Um, yeah, tr- training, still training quite a bit as well. Um, just getting used to those very early alarms that I haven't had to have because we've been on the on the summer. Um, but that's still going really well. Um, we were just chatting about it before we came on that I think I'm going to stick the same programme again because the, the progress at the moment is like session on session, week on week. It's, it's really started to accelerate as the session intensity has got higher. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, I've entered into a little contest as well with one bloke on a Monday who wants to use the one squat rack that's at the gym as well. So we race. Um, today I bypassed the changing rooms. I put my lifting shoes on outside the gym because I got there early. Uh, and I basically just ran up the stairs to make sure I got there first. So I'm getting a little bit of extra cardio in as well for that competition. Why did you share uh, it? Because he wants to do a shoulder press. All oh, right, you can just go and use a dumbbell or something. <laughs> Which was my suggestion, but <laughs> it wasn't very well received. <laughs> yeah, how's it been with you? Um, yeah, uh, like work's been going well. Um, we're like our, our first game of the season was supposed to be on Sunday, but obviously that got cancelled. Um, so first game will be this Sunday coming instead um, and then yeah like training wise I was, like I was just saying before we came on I've been getting these like exertion headaches in the gym the last couple of days so it's been a bit of a nightmare I've basically done like one exercise and then left yeah that's um yeah not fantastic so for people that haven't heard of that before what is an exertion headache I don't, so I reckon I did it on the first day when I was leg pressing um 
and I think I like lifted my head up off the pad and I reckon I've like trapped a nerve in my neck or something and I think I think that's what caused it and then the last couple of times I tried to lift um I don't know if it's like related to blood pressure but like it gets worse like throughout the set um so I tried to hack squat today and that was unbelievably painful um but yeah there's like a few different theories um no one really knows like the exact cause I was, I was reading earlier it was something to do with like the os occipital nerve in like the base of your skull here but um yeah i don't know i'll probably just rest it for a couple of days and then try and crack on again bit of hot cold treatment maybe get the the little spiky ball or a tennis ball in there yeah they do say like the neck stretching and that kind of stuff supposed to help it um but like, I've, I've probably been overdoing it the last couple of months anyway so yeah a few days rest will do me a bit of good yeah it's funny isn't it because um i finally committed to getting the whoop um but yeah. one of the things you said to me before i got it which almost it was one of the things that delayed me getting it was it hasn't changed like what i do my patterns of behavior so you're getting all these stress scores that are telling you that you're not optimally recovered or what have you um yeah. but kind of training anyway but just sort of I guess it gives you the the understanding that a session might not be as good as you would want it to be, but it hasn't stopped you training. Yeah, so the, the thing for me that seems to be really responsive is the heart rate variability. So the last three, four days, I've been down at like 56. And I'm normally up at about 100. Um, so that, that seems to be like the most responsive or what it mainly bases your recovery score off of. Um, my sleep's pretty stable. It's always about like five, six hours a night. And then, yeah, HRV tends to be what goes up and down a bit more. Five or six hours. How have we not covered this before? What are you doing that only allows you to have five or six hours? I just, just I get up early to train, don't I? And when like, I've been I've been waking up at like four in the morning just awake, so like, I'm getting in bed early enough to give myself time to get like seven hours. But, yeah, you keep waking up early. I mean, I would love I would love to be that. I'm like crawling out at my alarm at the moment. It goes off and like, oh really? <laughs> As soon as yeah. my feet touch the floor, I'm absolutely golden. So that's been my my habit is get my feet on the floor as quickly as possible after the alarm. Because as soon as that happens, I stand up, good to go. Like everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather be crawling out of bed at the moment. It's <laughs> <laughs> about five, six o'clock and I'm knackered. Yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? And it's like sleep is such a huge area of research when you think about circadian rhythm and and those dips that we get because i get to the end of the the working day um you know before the the kind of late night boarding juicy things and i'm i'm also knackered like sort of between 4 30 and 5 30 and then i sort of pick up again after that yeah i've got no idea why um got, it, yeah i don't know why I, I i'm similar like you go through like phases of being knackered and you feel a awake again yeah so i'm swimming again tonight um and i'm interested to see how that goes because i've not done any session like after one o'clock in the afternoon in months i don't think so uh, i'm interested to see like how i feel because normally yeah. i think i feel better in the afternoon i just prefer to do it in the morning yeah it's meant, it's meant to be a better time of day to train isn't it um I don't know if we've covered that before, but like when you wake up, your test levels are higher, but so is cortisol, and then cortisol drops lower throughout the day. So the best time to train is meant to be like two, three in the afternoon. Um, particularly if you're like doing a strength training session. Yeah, we're going to talk about cortisol a little bit um, today, aren't we? So we've got um, quite a topical issue. But before we get onto that, 
Um, I'm just looking at our our stats here, um, and I think I mentioned that we had some new listeners in Hungary last week, but this week we've expanded, uh, and we're now being listened to in Morocco and Ethiopia. So shout out to our listeners in Morocco and Ethiopia because that's pretty cool. I don't know anyone in those countries, but. Um, yeah, we're out there. We're out there. Um, now that we're in the top 1% of podcasts, obviously, which we established last time, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we need to be in the top, what, probably 0.1%. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, yeah, introduce us to today's topic. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about stress today, and I think that's um, particularly topical because, um, like, both you and I this week have, have spoken about how the fact that we feel stressed um and i think the the kind of purpose of today is to talk about what stress is perhaps dispel a few myths not downplay people's feelings but perhaps provide a little bit of context um and a bit of real world reality to those feelings um and and to kind of just get it out in the open because i personally find that or have found in the past that if i'm really stressed it's not always easy to to kind of talk about or to say whereas um like if you're feeling tired you know people are like, oh, how are you feeling yeah i'm feeling tired but to say you're stressed has kind of a negative connotation to it and i think today hopefully we'll kind of get rid of a little bit of that that stigma sounds good um you've done all of the research for today's episode so <laughs> I've absolutely nothing to offer so <laughs> tell us all about stress it's a straight swap from last week, isn't it? Um, you may not have done the research, but we are living it. So I found a couple of different definitions. And, and the first one was that it's a, stress can be defined as a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or demanding circumstances. Um, I'll sort of talk about why I, I dislike a, a few um, things around that. Um, then the NHS one, um, which I thought was quite useful as well, is um, stress is usually a reaction to mental or emotional pressure, and it's often related to feel feeling like you're losing control over something, but sometimes there's no obvious cause. When you're feeling anxious or scared, your body releases stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. So I think when people look up, like, what is stress? The first definition is the first one I read out. That's what came up at the top of my Google page. And it talks about resulting from adverse or demanding circumstances. Now, I don't like that because I think you can be stressed without adverse or demanding circumstances. I think your your normal circumstances can be perceived as adverse or demanding, even if they're not. I think your mindset and your approach to these things can cause you stress. So what I'm saying is, yes, you can be stressed by something new that's come in to your life like um loss of a loved one or a breakup or arguments or you know something like that that's new and has, has come in but equally your your day today can become stressful depending on your kind of outlook and your perception on that i think yeah yeah, I so, agree with that. yeah um but the nhs one i i think was better um firstly because it it, it touched slightly on kind of the the chem- chemical response to stress which is to release adrenaline and cortisol now this is particularly um 
interesting, I think, because that's happening kind of internally. So when we have things like the Whoop um, that we've spoken about or um, Garmin, so, you know, it, it tracks these kind of, uh, there are metrics that we can record and we can document things like um, heart rate variability, resting heart rate, um, Garmin have something called body battery. And, and when you get stressed, or certainly we're going to talk quite a lot anecdotally in this episode as well. When I get stressed, one of the, the signs of that is that my resting heart rate will, will just go through the roof. Um, so by the end of Friday, I think my resting heart rate had gone up to nearly 60. Um, I had two really good sleeps and it's back down at 50 again because yeah. that kind of chemical response has been um, negated by, you know, more optimal recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so adrenaline, um, it, it, it's interesting again because I, I read... Adrenaline is one of those things that will speed up your heart rate. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And it, it can also have... Um, when we think about more like chronic stress so you might feel like you're on top of things um i, I think probably i'm guilty of this and I, I know you definitely are is where you feel like you're doing really well because work productivity is high training is going really well um you know your interpersonal relationships are all doing well you're giving time to your friends your family loved ones but actually um that is coming at a cost um and you don't realize it until you get things like your your headaches that you're talking about before um or your heart rate starts to fly through the roof but when you think about chronic stress you've got too much adrenaline and cortisol being released into your system too frequently now when i was reading the wim hof method stuff and i haven't mentioned that the sort of breathing method bits for a while um but he talks about the inflammatory inflammatory response that we can have um, as a result of too much adrenaline and cortisol being in our system um, so we can actually feel like a, a physical pain actually you know our, our back can hurt we can get headaches um, injuries can take more time to recover because we've got these um, like substances flowing around us at, at a higher level than our body actually wants um, so to have that in there as, as part of the definition I think is good because it offers the general public a bit more of an understanding about what stress is and kind of the the hidden impact that it can have on you you know it's not just flipping your desk and swearing and getting upset it, it's also at a, a kind of subcutaneous level as well it's inside us yeah um so I sort of I looked up because I think it's important to understand what cortisol does so it's the primary stress hormone so when we are stressed in inverted commas we're going to keep using that term um cortisol is released uh, into the bloodstream and it it's it's part of that fight or flight um response as well so it can increase um the amount of like sugar and the amount of glucose in your bloodstream because fight or flight you know you need that immediate energy source to you know to either do battle as it were or to get away from whatever the danger is because our brain is still in that kind of um caveman sort of state that it always has been it doesn't realize that most of the time now we don't need to to fight or run away from whatever's stressing us out um but it also um like curbs other functions that would be non-essential like in that that kind of situation so when you've got that that high cortisol level that high adrenal response you get 
sort of what's known as vascular shunt. And I've sort of taken that term out of context because it's more commonly used when you're exercising. But what it means is that when you've got a lot of adrenaline um, and a lot of cortisol flowing around your body, the, the body doesn't send as much blood to what it considers to be non-essential functions. So if you've convinced your body that it needs to run away from something that's stressful, then you're gonna get less blood flow to your digestive system, to your liver, to, you know, like to those uh, kind of vital organs, but you're gonna get more availability of glucose in your muscles so you can run away. Mm-hmm. That's great in the short term, like when we're actually doing sport, we want that and that's hugely positive. But over a period of time, if we've got that reduced function and that reduced blood flow to our vital organs as a result of the stress response, that can actually be quite damaging. And and we can start to see um, like a real impairment of, of normal function. And I spoke to you about this before, um, uh, sort of half giggling while I did it, like the impact of poo and how doctors use um, like excrement as a real indicator of how healthy somebody is in terms of their diet, um, their stress levels, like our um, our bowel movements and, and kind of intestinal health and function um, can be kind of measured through a, a poo scale. Um, so if you're suffering from chronic stress, one of the first ways you might notice it is actually when you go to the toilet or don't, as the case may be. Um, yeah, so it, you know, it can have this hugely negative impact. There's not a, a massive positive impact of, of chronic stress. Yeah. Well, like I remember reading about, um, I think humans are the only, like, we're the only species that do this, but um, Robert Sapolsky wrote that book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And he spoke about when a zebra gets chased in the wild, they'll have that stress response you're talking about. It's very, very short lived. Like, the thing we struggle with is we'll be stressed constantly throughout the day by, um, you know, relationships, finances, work, whatever it is. Like, it's like you said, we have that chronic stress the whole time, which is what's really negative in the long term. Like a, a short term response to stress is probably a good thing. Like you were saying, if we're playing sport or you're in danger or whatever, and you need that um, vascular shunt you were talking about to improve your performance so you can run away or um, make a tackling rugby or whatever it is. Um, that's almost like a positive thing in the short term but yeah long term there's no real benefits to it yeah um uh, and i sort of got into a little bit as well some of the things that that wim hof was saying uh well it wasn't him saying it it was the studies that i read in his book um about kind of more widespread inflammation um in the circulatory system and particularly particularly in the the coronary arteries um which, which are in your heart, um, some of the main arteries that take blood away from the heart. And, you know, chronic stress and heart attack are are linked. You know, that has been proven um, time and time again, year after year, that people that do suffer from chronic stress are more likely to have um, heart attacks. Um, and, you know, there's, there's additional data that came out of the NHS website about... Um, how that can impact like your cholesterol levels and things like that and whether you believe in cholesterol levels being the devil like they certainly used to be perceived as or not it is a response to stresses um that we we, we wouldn't have without them so it's, it's not likely that it's going to be positive whichever side of the fence you stand on with that um and i think 
you know, I, I haven't actually looked at the the stats, but I'm going to get them up in a second about the the number of heart attacks that we have in the UK each year um, is huge. And given that so many of them are stress, I don't think we talk about how to cope with stress and how to avoid stress enough. So yeah. it says here in the UK in 2019, there are 100,000 hospital admissions due to stress, 100,000. Now, some of those will be linked to obesity or smoking or genetic predisposition, but stress definitely impacts those as well and it kind of is a compounding factor so i don't think we can downplay the severity of stress you know oh i'm a bit stressed but stress can be seriously damaging to your health and then the question is what do we do about it well i was reading um i say reading i i should have finished it by now i'm still reading james smith's not a life coach book and he wasn't talking about stress he was talking about perspective but i thought it linked quite nicely to this topic so the kind of importance of perspective on our own lives you know um and there's a quote um if it if it's not going to bother you in five years don't let it bother you for more than five minutes um now i i like that and i don't like that i don't think things are as black and white as that often um but this thing about perspective was if you hang around a pro basketball team you'll probably feel short if you hang around supermodels, you'll probably feel fatter than you are. And if you spend all your time with bodybuilders, you'll end up thinking you haven't got any muscle. Now, like, that's really, really true. So all of a sudden we're viewing ourselves or our environment very negatively and we can become, we can internalize that and become quite stressed by it. Um, and I was doing a bit of research about social media and um, kind of withdrawal symptoms around like people who give up social media and things like that. But the the example that was given in one of these papers was when you see someone um like driving a nice car down the street you're like oh nice car but you, you just forget about it right you don't automatically think oh you know i don't drive that kind of car so i don't earn enough money i'm not good enough and, and you don't negatively spiral just because you saw it on the street but when you see somebody on social media and you're like they look amazing in, in inverted commas amazing um i don't look like that i'm fat i make bad life life choices nobody loves me and, and we do really hang on to those things much more so um from social media because of that kind of overexposure of well things that offer a poor perspective on the world basically yeah yeah that makes sense um so i think again we'll, we'll talk anecdotally as well but some common um, sort of signs and symptoms of stress, uh, difficulty breathing, panic attacks, blurred eyesight, sore eyes, sleep problems, fatigue, muscle aches, so that's you, um, chest pains and high blood pressure, and then indigestion or heartburn. Um, so I think a lot of those are kind of at the more extreme end, um, like difficulty breathing and panic attacks are definitely um, a more acute response to stress. Um, I wouldn't say that they're things that um, are a result of chronic stress. So if you've got a, a small stressor that's been bugging you for a long time, you might get symptoms of chronic stress, but you're unlikely to reach the stage of panic attacks just from that same stressor. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I do think these are um, a little bit further along a lot of the scale, but they, they kind of compound um, each other in some ways, like sleep problems and fatigue. Well, if you're overtired and you can't sleep, then you yeah, get like a whole... Yeah, exactly that. And then you're not sleeping properly, so you're more tired. And then you're more stressed because you're unproductive, because you're tired, and then you don't sleep again. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we've spoken about um, not necessarily like weight loss and weight gain, but um, how muscle tissue is formed when you don't sleep as well. Um, but also, I mean, I'm so guilty of this. When I get super tired, like, there's no food that's safe if it's within touching distance i'm eating it um yeah. kind of i think um our brain goes into the, like this protective look after yourself mode take yeah, on as many as possible yeah it's coping mechanisms isn't it exactly that and you know binge eating is not a healthy one um by any stretch of course like do it occasionally there's nothing wrong with it at all um but if that's your go-to every time you're stressed or every time you're tired, then these things, you know, they start to to add on top of each other. Yeah. Um, so it's really important what, you know, like recognizing your own signals for what stresses you. And when you are stressed, if you haven't spotted the signals, because when we look at the habit formation stuff, we spoke about James Clear's book, like that, um, that stimulus is gonna lead to a craving and a response. So if you start forming bad habits in your response to stress they can embed very very quickly and then every time you get stressed you start responding in the same negative way and you form a negative habit you know very, very quickly um, and it can kind of get away from you so i think it's really important to have that kind of self-awareness and i think there's loads of different ways you can do that like you and i are quite data-driven people so to look at whoop to look at garmin to follow our stats our heart rates our heart rate variability like that's something that we enjoy doing and it's quite an easy metric. It's, you know, it's quite black and white. But if you realize that perhaps you get more grumpy or you get more hungry, um, you snack more, you drink too much coffee, like it, it could be any number of things, you know, like. That, that was one of the things uh, I was gonna ask you about actually was um, like the long, long-term long use of caffeine can make a difference to like your stress levels, can't it? I actually didn't see that in my um, in my research, but I would my guess would be that they kind of lead into each other. Like for me, tiredness and not sleeping enough is one of the biggest instigators of physiological stress response, like the secretion of that um, cortisol and adrenaline, which will lead me to, to consume more caffeine. Yeah. But also not sleeping as much, so I'm drinking more caffeine. And I'm not sleeping as much and it just kind of that snowball effect again so potentially it could keep you in a state of chronic stress for a, a more extended period of time because it delays your effective response to stress yeah I'm, I'm just throwing it out there as a bit of a guess really um I'm trying to think of yeah I'm sure there's like some chemical thing behind it but I think that's one of the things that I'm going to try and um cut down on over the next couple of months is caffeine use because we spoke about it, didn't we? Like the amount that you can have is actually huge, isn't it? Like yeah. the A for caffeine is gigantic. But I'm, I'm sure it's not good. And like, I, I was re, I was re, re going over some of the um, like suggested doses for performance enhancement, and 
we spoke about this on the episode we did, didn't we? But like the amount you have to take to get a performance enhancement is actually huge. So most people are just using it to suppress tiredness. And I don't think it's worth the trade-off. Like yeah. you just cut out completely and sleep better, I think you'll feel better. And a lot of people say that, don't they, who completely cut out caffeine is they, they feel more alert throughout the whole day instead of need, needing that constant pick-me-up. Yeah, and you probably, that's it, you adjust, don't you? So if you're used to taking a lot of caffeine, you're going to, you are going to feel pretty rough for a few days, I reckon, if you're trying to do the same thing, but with no caffeine suppressing that that kind of fatigue level. Um, even if it's like psychosomatic and you just feel less tired because you've got a coffee in your hand. Yeah. Um, but I have just looked this up um, and it, it does say here that the hormones that can be impacted um as a part of excess caffeine consumption. So adenosine, um, it can make you feel a short, uh, feel alert in the short run, but cause sleep problems later. Cause it's one of the, if you don't absorb as much of that, then um, it's one of the, the hormones that can like calm you down. Uh, adrenaline, it, it caffeine boosts the amount of adrenaline that's in your system. We spoke about that as a kind of chronic presence um, and that inflammation and then cortisol as well that that main stress hormone uh, yeah it increases that that amount in your body as well so actually even if we're not stressed we're causing stress response just by ingesting too much caffeine um but then you know there's, it's a double header because it, it gives you that dopamine hit um you know which makes you feel really good about having had it and it makes you want more of it. That's the addictive thing, isn't it? The dopamine, we spoke about the dopamine response in our Atomic Habits episode, um, which was episode 30 for people that want to go and check that out. Um, you know, so we, our body wants us to keep taking this thing. It wants us to keep having more caffeine because it feels good when we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like this is um, like quite a topical at the moment with like the cost of living rising so much um like one of the things that really stressed me out the last couple of years is um like by not living below my means which is what everyone should do like the amount of financial stress i had was like through the roof like over the last year i probably cut my monthlies down by half which um the, the position it puts you in is i feel so much less stressed about money now um so yeah, I know, I know that's not like possible for everyone if you've got like a family to provide for and all that kind of stuff. But I think most people can cut their monthly costs down by quite a lot, and that will relieve a lot of that financial stress. Yeah, for sure. And I think people would probably rate finances, particularly if you ask the general public right now, with with the bombardment of the cost of living kind of everywhere we look. I think most people would say finance is one of their major concerns. You know, living paycheck to paycheck and I think it's become more difficult for young people now than it was, um, you know, even 20, 30 years ago, because house prices are, are just so much higher, like 10 times, whatever, 20 times higher than they used to be. But salaries haven't increased like that. So, you know, all those things kind of compound each other. And, you know, like you said, to, to live below your means can make such a, a big difference. Now, assume it doesn't actually affect your quality of life at all. Like you, you live the same life. You just, yeah, it yeah. makes no difference. Yeah, and I think that you know, um, I remember when we moved house, XL actually have an income like template on their spreadsheets. So if you've got access to Microsoft or Excel, if you don't have a computer, you can go to an internet cafe and just use Microsoft Excel, and it's 
you can literally put in like your monthly spendings and your monthly salary and it, it tells you what you've got left and where you're spending your money and i think yeah. that is really important for people trying to cut down that cost because um like they can now see where their money is going as opposed to it just being kind of on on the screen and that was another stat actually that's that came up um totally unrelated to stress um but i i went down a bit of a rabbit hole of reading um <laughs> And it's something like 90% or 93% of the world's uh, finance doesn't exist exist in cash and coins. Yeah, it's just like a number on a screen. Yeah. Number on a screen, 93%. And yeah. yet allow it to basically dominate like so many decisions and so many like thoughts and feelings that we have. And it's actually 93% of it doesn't even exist. Yeah. Uh, I actually that's mental. Yeah, but like, um, like financial financial freedom is one thing. Like, I don't think that will like make you happy or not stressed. But definitely the opposite. Like, struggling like you said, month to month, going paycheck to paycheck. That I did that for, I reckon about eighteen months, and that was a stressful part of my life. Yeah, I I wouldn't pretend to know the figure, but there is research done on the amount of happiness um, provided above a certain threshold of income yeah, so right. it basically it increased in line with income up to a certain point yeah, and then it's it's, 60 grand a year yeah so if like let's say 50 60k a year um once you're earning above that it doesn't matter whether you're earning 62 or 162 or 562 yeah. the amount of happiness it gave you didn't change yeah, because once you get to that point, you just drive a more expensive car or live in a bigger house that you don't really need or drive. Yeah. Like, but like your day to day life is the same. Like you drink the same coffee, you hang out with the same people, like nothing much day to day really changes. Yeah, exactly that. And you um, you always revert back to the to the mean. Right. So you buy that new Ferrari, but then in like a couple of months, it's no longer exciting to you. It's it's just your your normal, basically. Yeah. Um. So a bit, of a bit of a tangent going yeah. back to going back to stress what um like what really what things do you find really practical for like managing your your stress or like are you into that whole self-care thing like what do you put into your day or week to try and look after yourself yeah um i think the staple part for me is my exercise like for me i can have a really crappy workout physically but it can be so important for me mentally just to have gone and to have moved and to have physically exerted myself um, relieves a hell of a lot of stress, which is why I really prefer doing it in the morning because I feel it, it sort of tees me up for the whole day um, to have done that. And I, I do think there's something to be said with kind of the nomadic um, lifestyle that we used to leave, lead when we were, you know, like hunter gatherers because we never stayed in one place for very long. We were always moving. Um, we, we were never stuck and I think part of us uh, and bear in mind I've got absolutely no research whatsoever to back this up it's, it's just me sort of thinking out loud like because we were designed and our brains were formed when we were doing those things I think we still have a desire to do it and and move and um, I think the, I the desire to travel comes from I, I think possibly that. yeah, yeah just what were you gonna i'll let you finish yeah so even if it's not like working out or going to the gym or running just like going for a walk 
you know, yeah. just taking a time out from the hustle and bustle of life is just so important for me. Um, and I love the stat that when like, a person nowadays receives as many stimuli in a day as a hunter gatherer would receive in their entire life. So if you think about the amount of input that's coming into our brain and how little our brains have changed since that point, like that's the crazy amount of information for us to to store and to process and, and to kind of go through day in, day out. So like the other day I literally I, I left my phone at home and I just went I just went for a walk in the hills. I couldn't hear cars. Um, you know, I'm very lucky with where I live, but you know, everyone can do this to an extent. Um, and it's just like a switch off from the digital world. So for me, that reduces stress a lot. Yeah. Um, but then we, you know, we spoke about it ages ago, and I, I, I don't want to stitch you up too much, but I don't think you've been brilliant at sticking with the the meditating since that point. I really want to do it, but I just can't. I can't <laughs> stick to it. Yeah. Um, so I do that for about an hour to an hour and a quarter a week. It's not necessarily every day. I thought you were going to say um, every day then. I was, I was about to be very, very impressed. But you, tr- you try and do about 15, 20 minutes a day then? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so with the, the Wim Hof breathing, it's really simple. Um, like we said, when we're looking at habit formation, make it easy. And this is something that I found does make it easy because I literally just put my headphones on and I follow what I'm told to do. I don't have to plan anything. I don't have to do anything um, kind of in preparation for it. I literally just turn up and there it is. Um, so yeah the nights that i'm not on duty and even some if i can get it in early in the day i will spend a minimum of 10 minutes doing that on a day and then um if i've got more time or i feel i need to do it for longer because i don't feel fully relaxed i think the longest i've gone up to is about 20 minutes so um yeah for me that's that's been actually probably one of the biggest things and again this is completely anecdotal but i've I've got an injury history as long as most people's arms and legs put together, yeah. um, which has meant that over the years I've had lots of prescriptions and all sorts of things that weren't really dealing with the cause. They were just dealing with the symptoms. Um, I've not taken a painkiller since I started doing this breathing, like not one. Um, and I, I don't know if that's again, like a psychosomatic thing because I read that this, um, breathing technique can help reduce that adrenaline and cortisol and subsequent inflammation in your body. I don't know if it's just me thinking that and willing that to be true. Um, whether that's the case or not, it's worked. And I now feel just like so much better as a result of it. So having been a person that probably would have poo-pooed somebody for saying, oh yeah, I do meditation, I do breathing. I am now fully like team meditate. Yeah, that's probably one of the things I've changed my mind on recently is like the, the placebo effect is still in effect. So like who really cares? Like whether yeah. it's actually like if it changes how you feel, then yeah, yeah, that's something I've changed my mind on recently. I used to think oh placebo effect's not actually doing anything, but you still feel different or it can still go to your pain or you can say, Yeah, that, that is something I've changed my mind on recently. Yeah, and I think it'd be really interesting. Um I don't know if it could ever actually be implemented, but I I would love to see more people giving this a go, either as like a first stage of clinical support or um, before seeking like the help of a doctor. Like if you're struggling with stress or mental health, I think, you know, there are cases where it definitely needs to be medicated. But, you know, I think we can help ourselves lower that threshold 
or raise that threshold of you know where stress comes into play just by doing simple things like moving more like um enjoying like real things and what i mean by real things is like time with people face to face or going for a walk with nice surroundings as opposed to likes on a social media post or scrolling through something or watching tv like they're great and i i love all of those things but they're not real are they do you know what i mean yeah that, that just reminds me actually i can't remember i've got no idea what the topic was but it was talking about like if you run in a city or in the countryside like the effect that has on you and your like the way you respond to it is nowhere near like it's much more relaxing in the countryside or like away from the city like you said in natural surroundings yeah because we just reduced that amount of stimulus that's that's coming at us i think and as it's like the education system now i had this amazing talk at my previous workplace from the the lady who was in charge of like all the the av stuff in the school and my goodness she was good at that like through the lockdowns and stuff it was incredible and she started like sending us more literature about not using technology yeah. and like the right time to use it because we're literally on it all day long and I think it can cause us quite a bit of stress because we feel like we need to be glued you know to our emails to our messages like to our Instagram accounts like how many people have liked it or viewed it or listened to it or whatever it is um like I I go several days without checking my Instagram account now like I, it doesn't bother me that much um obviously we still did the other 99 percent one because we want you guys to have access to great content just a little piece there um do give us a follow um but yeah you know on a, on a more serious note i think kind of having a, a better detachment from that has had a, a positive impact on me yeah that, that's one of the things a lot of sports teams do really well they'll have like a no phones policy when you're like eating and that kind of stuff and you get a lot more interaction um between players and staff and support staff by, by having those kind of like policies in place. Yeah, it's what Google did, wasn't it? With um, They found that people were working in their teams far too much. Um, like they were just stuck in their sections of of Google. So what they did was they put um, brand spanking new fancy coffee machines in all the break rooms yeah. and they called incidental collisions where people from different departments would just bump into each other at these coffee machines because the coffee was fantastic. Um, and they would kind of spark like real debate or good conversation that would lead to you know really productive outcomes but that couldn't happen behind a screen because you don't just message somebody most of the time anyway with like a i don't know an initial thought that leads into something bigger yeah. um that needs to happen face to face and I, I don't think even in the digital world we can kind of um lose sight of the importance of that and there we have it. That's that's stress ticked off. Do you want to give us a quick summary? If, if, uh, if you go through what, what our definition of stress was, um, some of the signs that you can look out for, and then a couple of things you can put in place to try and manage your your uh, chronic levels of stress. Yeah. So the whistle stop tour of my ramblings just then. Um, <laughs> stress is a reaction to mental or emotional pressure. Uh, it's often related to feeling like you're losing control over something when sometimes there's no obvious cause. Um, and then there's a, a hormonal response as well. So when you're feeling anxious, stressed or scared, um, your body releases hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. Now they're really good in the short term, 
but in the long term they can cause chronic inflammation tiredness irritability lack of sleep um they can cause you know even more serious things like heart attacks heart disease um they can interfere with your uh, digestive processes you know they can be quite negative um i think as well it's important to say that it's okay to be stressed like we've kind of put stress on this negative pedestal and i i don't want to do that because stress is normal and stress is good if we deal with it correctly um you know feeling anxious about something doesn't mean you have anxiety like you, you know you just feel anxious in that moment and that's okay um so long as you've got those coping mechanisms and i sort of shared some of the ones that i do about, about you know the meditation the exercise um being outdoors and then just trying to enjoy the more simple things in life as well so you know if, if you've got your coping mechanisms in place um and you've got a good support network around you like you should almost embrace situations that might cause you stress because without it we're not going to develop um, so don't be afraid to seek it out. It is a good thing, but we need to have that kind of process so that we're not, um, yeah, it's not going to have too longer term negative impact, basically. Wonderful. Um, yeah, thank you. That, that's been very, very insightful. Um, hopefully I'll bring a bit more next week. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. We haven't actually decided next week's topic yet, have we? Uh, no, we haven't, but I've had an interesting offer for a guest. Um, so, yeah, we can chat about that off air. Um, but I think it's going to be quite good. Awesome. Um, yes, yeah, so there you have it. Tune in next week for potentially a special guest. We'll um, update social media during the week to um, yeah let you know what we're going to be covering next weekend. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone.